everybody. Welcome back to Terrace Talk. The international break is over. Club football returns. Norwich City travelling to Deepdale on Good Friday, the start of a hectic Easter period for the Canaries to face Preston North End. And uh, I'm delighted to preview tomorrow's game in the company of uh, Norwegian commentator, TV presenter, Norwich fan Casper, and also from the Finney contributor and Preston fan Josh. Casper, um, let's, let's start with you because I think in recent weeks we've had uh, Australia, South Africa, <laughs> America, and now we've got Norway. So talk to us a little bit about your relationship with Norwich City. Uh, yeah, uh, my first football card was a Norwich and a Bristol City player, actually. So I think I just thought the name, it's uh, Norwich, Norway was quite uh, similar. And then started following Norwich at, on the teletext. I had my first game at the Carroll Road in the 87-88 season, Norwich uh, v Luton. And uh, of course, being a regular, not a regular, but uh, once or twice a season um, at Carroll Road uh, since then, I, I had two games in the 1993 season. That was home uh, with Ipswich and home with Man United, the two only games they lost at home that season. So <laughs> I've not always been a lucky Sean, though, but uh, but it's, it's never boring uh, supporting Norwich. No, it definitely isn't. And we'll, we'll get your um, you'll get your takes on some of the Norwich City issues at present. We'll probably speak to you about Norwich City's Norwegian contingent as well, since we have you with um, with us. Um, Josh, let's, let's come to you. It's been quite a hectic international break for... Preston. Um, firstly, how are you doing? Thank you very much for coming on. But equally, how have, how have you found this break? Has it been a nice period to kind of refresh from a Preston perspective? Yeah, massively. Um, the last few weeks have been pretty tough for North End. So it's uh, it's been a, a nice break, but hopefully we can um, try and get a few, few wins in the last eight games and just make sure we don't get into any relegation battles, really. Yeah, it seems seems bizarre given how you guys played at Carroll Road in the reverse fixture. That maybe you're looking over your shoulder a little bit, Casper. Um, let's um, let's let's talk about the situation. And Daniel Farker obviously has been pretty vocal, and I'll get Josh's take on it in a moment, just for uh, to get a bit of balance. But in terms of the situation with this game happening less than 48 hours after some Norwich City players have played on the Wednesday evening for their countries. Um, just been in Daniel Farker's press conference earlier this afternoon, he spoke about Dimitris Yanoulis, for example, who's been away with Greece and um, his game finished at 20 minutes to midnight and then he, he uh, got back to his hotel at 2am, essentially then had to catch a flight at 7 o'clock in the morning, which for anyone who catches a flight, you have to be there two hours in advance. So he had to be at the airport for 5am. This is uh, a really difficult and strange situation that this game is going to take place for Norwich City in. Um, uh, of course, the blame isn't on Preston. It's it's probably more um, at the EFL's door. But in, in terms of Norwich, it's not the best preparation to have going into a game as you're trying to secure promotion, is it? No, it's it's, it's a strange thing, uh, really, to, to have a game. Uh, 48 hours. It's, it's been a strain on the players the whole the whole season. It's been a short bit of the season, the corona. Um, they played three games internationally now, and 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 then they go back 48 hours uh, traveling around Europe to to play. So, so I think it's a strange one, really. Uh, but this is where we can hope uh, Norwich uh, Norwich squad can be in in good use. Because um, uh, no, no, there's a reason Norwich have eight players internationally now. It's because they have a squad uh, with. Um, with a lot of good players and, and that's hopefully what they can can be in use now. 
do, do you understand Daniel Farker's frustrations? I mean, as a, as a head coach, having maybe 13 players in the building for two weeks is incredibly difficult. But equally, it's kind of, a, yeah. a as you said there, it's, it's, it's almost a credit to Norwich, isn't it, that they have a squad that contains so many international players? Yeah, this would never happen with a Premier League team uh, 48 hours uh, after. So, uh, so it's credit to Norwich to have, to have so many internationals and to have so many class players that they have. But I can understand the frustration with Zimmerman out uh, as well. Uh, it's really taking a toll on the squad now. But but hopefully uh, you can see uh, Sorensen as a centre back. He's played there for the under 21s. You can see uh, the Norwegian uh, Alex Tetti back in the team. They usually do well when he plays. Um, and you hopefully you can see, see players. Tajeta, he played. The, he didn't play. But it was at Wembley uh, on on Wednesday, so so he he will come back fit uh, to play. So so you still have lots of players to 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 do job. And if you see the rest of the season, it's eight games left, three maybe four victories and um, wins, then 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 you're up. But but there's still a job to do. And and of course. Those last wins, they're always the most difficult ones when you've been in good form and you just need to get over the line. That's that's almost uh, always the, the most most difficult part of the season. That was that is what Park is seeing, I think. Mm, yeah, it's, it's that period, isn't it, where it's so close you can almost touch it, but it's not yeah. quite not quite there, yeah. and it's just about. Um, it's, it's between, I guess, going to grab it and actually reaching it, which is the difficult bit. Um, Josh, you've, you've kind of heard us speak. And I'm sure you've seen Daniel Farker's press conference, which was one of the maddest that certainly I've been involved since doing this job. Um, what, what is your take on it as a Preston fan? Because I, I think in fairness to Daniel Farker, he's always said his issue maybe isn't with Preston, it's with the EFL. But do you understand Norris City's frustrations, I guess, at, at the scheduling of this fixture? Yeah, of course. Obviously, it's um, it's... It's harsh on Norwich to have so many players out injured and on international duty. But I think this Norwich squad, obviously you've seen, it had so many injuries earlier on in the season. There was so many youth players on the bench and you're still eight points clear. So um, it's clear this, the quality that you have. Um, and as much as I sympathise with you, uh, North End did you a bit of luck this season. So uh, yeah, hopefully it can work in our favour. Yeah, and, and and of course, I mean, you guys uh, and, and you're as a fan would would probably be more willing to take this game, knowing that there's that advantage that Norwich have twelve players out, and there's the opportunity for points. As you said, there you're looking over your shoulder a little bit now um, because of the form you're in. Your manager's just left. You're due maybe a little bit of luck. This is a situation where possibly if you're a figurehead at Preston, you're, you're maybe putting a red circle around and going, "There's a real good opportunity now to get points, given the circumstances that Norwich are travelling to Deepdale in." Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, if you've got a fully fit squad, I don't see Northend getting anything out of the game. But with obviously all the injuries and um, international players who obviously need rest, um, I think we could. It gives us the opportunity to go and you know stamp our authority on the game, and obviously having a bit of a home advantage as well. Um, hopefully, we can pull off a bit of a shock result. Mm, absolutely and we'll, we'll talk to you a little bit about the man who's who's going to be in a day out in a second but um Casper as you teed up nicely in your last answer of course Christoph Zimmerman out with a hamstring injury Daniel Varka says they're likely to miss the the rest of the season of course may um just return for the final couple but of course could be all done and dusted by then we certainly hope it is 
But in, in terms of a replacement, I guess it boils down to three, really, doesn't it? Alex Tetti, who you've mentioned, Jakob Sorensen, but then also Andrew Omabamadile, who's the, the, the young lad, um, some island youth international caps, made a late um, substitute appearance from the from the bench for Norwich this season. Which direction do you think Daniel Farker will go for, if not just tomorrow, for the rest of the season? Do you think he'll be inclined to go with youth, as we've seen him do in the past, or do you think he'll opt for a bit of experience in terms of Tetti and, to a lesser extent, Sorensen? Yeah, for the first games, it's like cup finals now, isn't it? When you just need those those couple of victories, so so I don't think he go with the uh, Omar daily. Uh, I've not seen him play much, so so I don't know what what's he like. But I I've had good success with him at uh, the football manager. Uh, but of course, uh, Sorensen, he's uh, uh, he's he's proven uh, at left back. He never played left back before Norwich, uh, but he played centre back. Uh, for the under twenty ones in in Denmark and and uh, I suppose he did did quite well. Uh, so so that would be the natural uh, play to have there and and uh, of course he's 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 the kind of centre back that that Park is looking for too. He's good with the ball. He's uh, he can play from from uh, from behind. He's uh, he's he's the safe safe option there. And of course Tete he he does what you, uh, what what the manager asks uh, every every time. So so he he would be an option. Um, I, I, I think that they, they actually kept a clean sheet against uh, Bournemouth in, in the Premier League when they had uh, uh, Amadou and Teti as the two centre backs. So, so it uh, it can work uh, against uh, against Preston. But I would say Sorensen, yeah. I, I tweeted earlier, Norwich having no centre-backs is so last season, isn't it? It just, it just yeah, seems like a, a reoccurring theme for Norwich. And I'll ask you very quickly about Alex Tetti then. Um, Norwegian, of course, Nylon also new to the club. And uh, he's, well, they're both out of contract, I guess. But Alex Tetti may be more pressing in terms of his importance to the team and how long he's been at the club. What's your kind of feeling on the situation? A, would you like him to stay for another year? And I guess B maybe with your professional hat on, can you see him sticking around for, for another year? Because he's not played perhaps as much football as, as he might have liked. So that, of course, might be about to change for the next eight games, but still a very important character around the group. Yeah, that's the most important thing. He's, he's an important character around the group. Uh, um, I, 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 he's not going to play. Uh, he's not going to go after a contract outside Norwich City. If he's finished in Norwich, uh, he's finished as a, as a football player, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And then, um, I'm not sure how he feels about going up to the Premier League or, or going on a new season without playing much for for Norwich. I think he's he's pretty happy, pretty satisfied. He's achieved a lot in this uh, club nine season. It's it's quite remarkable, and, and he's uh, well liked in in, uh, in Norwich. So so uh, I can see this is his last season, and that is is his farewell. And I hope if it is, I hope there's going to be supporters in the last games to. To bid him a good farewell because I think he's been a wonderful servant for the for the club and and a very good ambassador for for Norway in in Norwich I think uh, because he's so a fantastic guy he's mm, yeah what what a fantastic guy as well he's been and what a servant like you say and there's probably a nice um, a nice bookend to his Norwich City career if actually he's, he's got eight last games and he plays them all at centre back and he helps Norwich get back to the Premier League that would be a lovely end but like you say it would be it would be a real travesty if Alex Tetty left and and there were no fans in the ground so hopefully um, if if that is the case Norwich can convince him to come back and maybe do a little bit something down the line when when Carrow Road is, is full because certainly a player sort of fitting of that um, Josh let's let's come to you as, as we said a very busy couple of weeks at Preston Alex Neal out Frankie McAvoy in two names that Norwich City fans know very well um, before I ask you a bit about 
Frankie McAvoy. Um, let, let's kind of touch upon Alex Neal and, and the situation that maybe led to his departure. From the outside, it always seemed like he's been doing a fairly steady job um, in fairly um, tough circumstances financially. Of course, had the arguably two best players sold in, in January in Ben Davis and, and Ben Pearson. How, how do you kind of sum up this decision? How do you feel about it? Are you... Was it the right time, I suppose, or would you have liked to see him given a bit longer? Because I've seen a real split, actually, online. Um, I think it was the right decision um, at the time where it was needed, before things got drastically dangerous and we ended up really in a relationship battle. Because, obviously, Rotherham have games in hand, but there are, I would say, at least another three teams that are worse than us at this point in the season. Um but the way we were going, performances were going worse and worse. Um, it just needed to happen. I think Alex Neal really just needed a break from the game. Um, his comments in press conferences, it just looked like he'd been drained. Um, and I think we all really sympathised with him, especially on that last game against Lewin, um, because he really just, he just looked fed up. And I think we all wanted it to happen purely for both parties, really. Um, but he's been brilliant for us. Um, we've got one of the smallest budgets in the league. We have done for the entire time we've been in the second tier. And he's, people say it was his downfall his first season that we finished seventh because that sort of set the bar pretty high. And for our budget, it sort of made Alex Neal look made his performance look worse than it was. And obviously, as you mentioned, we've sold our best two players. Um, we've not spent money. We've not replaced them. Uh, we have tried to replace them with League One players, which obviously you sell a top championship player, you replace them with a League One player. It's just not going to work. Um, so a massive rebuild job on our hands. And hopefully, hopefully we can get a manager in that's, or a head coach in as looking to do so that can lead it. Rebuild is, is an interesting one. I, I was going to go for project, but I guess they, they kind of mean the same thing, really. It kind of feels that Preston's at a point where, like you say, maybe they do need a fresh injection of, of something and uh, and they do need fresh ideas. With that in mind, was it interesting to see Frankie McAvoy, Alex Neal's long-term assistant, was his assistant manager at, at Norwich and Hamilton before that? Was it a surprise to you to, to see him given the last eight games? And I guess as a sort of follow-up question, if, if you were in charge of Preston, who would you like to see come in and, uh, and replace Alex Neal on, on perhaps a, a long-term basis if it's not Frankie McAvoy? Yeah, it was a shock at first. I was fully expecting him to leave with Alex. Um, so we weren't sure whether we were going to accept it. I think there was a few days between him being offered it and accepting it. So um, we weren't too sure at first. But he's, from his interviews, he seems like a very genuine genuine person um, who's got his own ideas. He's mentioned a lot about the players being creative, which is something we've lacked massively over the last sort of, since lockdown really, the beginning of the first lockdown. Um, obviously, the first lockdown we started in sixth um, and we just fell down towards the end of last season. This season's just got worse and worse really. So, yeah, it was a shock to see him say, but um, I'm fully back in. Um, and hopefully he can bring a bit of entertaining football back. Um, in terms of who I would like to see us bring in, it appears that we're looking to go down head coach route. Uh, head coach route. Um, so 
whether that be an under-23s coach or an assistant manager. I've seen a few names linked. Uh, Nicky Paul, who obviously left uh, Man United this week or last week, uh, he went to the bookies favourite for a few days. Um, so that would be an interesting one. We've also linked to, links to United Academy. Um, there's two main managers that are being talked about that both have uh, affiliations with Preston. Um, Gary Hainsworth at Wickham and McLaughlin at Lincoln, um, which both make sense to wait until the end of the season if that's the case, because both sides are playing for something. Um, but personally, I'd like to see out of the three that I've just mentioned, I'd like to see Appleton have a chance. Um, I think he had a tough spell at the start of his managerial career with Blackburn and uh, Blackpool. But he seems to really bring in youth players, and which we've lacked in under Alex Neil. Really, um, many North End fans feel that the youth been sort of neglected under Alex Neil, um, in a sense that they've not really had opportunities. Um, and Blackburn seems to just pick up all of our best players from our academy. So, um, hopefully, if if we get a manager, they'll look to use the youth, and McLaughlin would definitely do that. Yeah, and, and really, really sort of rave reviews about what the jobs he's done at Oxford and, and obviously Lincoln at the moment. So, yeah, I think that that's that's maybe not the worst shout in the world. Casper, um, to, to sort of flip this round back to the game, it's difficult to kind of press you on, well, who do you think Daniel Farker's going to play here or here? Because realistically, if Daniel Farker's coming out 24 hours saying, I don't know who's going to be available, then then neither, neither do we. Um, so I'll ask you a different question instead. I've seen... A split, so I'm interested to get your sort of perspective on this. Some Norwich fans have kind of said, actually, of all those players returning from international duty, rest them all, and actually, I don't know if you want to call it make a point or whatever, but actually play those players who've been in the building and be fresh. And I've seen others who say, actually, no, this this sort of schedule, this situation, will probably put more um, fires in, in in their stomach, maybe to go out and get a result. So, which side of the fence do you do you think you sit on as a as a Norwich fan? What perspective do you have? Yeah, you can't actually make a point without punishing yourself, can you? If you if you if you put out uh, if you put out the reserve team, uh, and you lose the only the only one that hurts is, is yourself and, and the three lost points. So 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 that would be a bad idea. But uh, I reckon Fark and his team have a good idea of who's uh, uh, who's fresh, who's available, uh, and it's there is a couple exciting players to 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 look at. Um, Balimumba, uh, his, his short cameo, I, I thought it looked really, really exciting. Uh, and you have, of course, uh, Xavi Kantia. He hasn't played for, for a long time. Uh, he's, he's an astute left back if journalists don't, don't make it back in, back in time. Uh, and you have Alex Pete. Uh, so, so, so you really have, you have, you have a good uh, depth in the squad to, 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 in a way, cover for, for the players who can't play. Uh, but it was positive that the Puka just got 14 minutes for for Finland on, at uh, at, the, at the end against Switzerland in in, in the friendly and at the two goals for that uh, the three goals in the two games before that so so he might be be fresh and I think that's that's maybe the most important thing because we don't really have a replacement for Timo Puka if, uh, as long as Alida is is out so so he's he's the one player that that you can't replace and. Of course, you have the best player in the in the league in Emi Buendia. Uh, I, I watched his uh, Instagram and he's really enjoyed the last couple of weeks uh, with some days off with his uh, family and his newborn. So I would 
I would reckon he's uh, he's a fresh and fit for fighting. And if he plays well, Norris plays well. So so that that should bode well. Yeah, funnily enough, I was I was going to ask you about Emmy Buendia. That was going to be the next point, and it that is kind of I guess if you want to find a, a silver lining, so to speak, it's that, isn't it? Emmy Buendia being fit, available, having maybe some time with his family to to recuperate ahead of what is a really important last eight games. And you mentioned Puki and Buendia there. Their relationship this season has been pivotal to to what Norwich have done. And Norwich are going to need them fit and firing, aren't they, for the last five, uh, last eight games? Yeah, I really thought after West Hulahan and, and as a middle-aged man, I couldn't really fall in love with a with a player again in the in the way in the in the childish way you fall in love with players. But then in came Emi Buendia, and I I I fell head head over heels in love with him. So so uh, and he's, he's he's really a gem. And I I I I'd say if he if he got the chance uh, on the highest level for for all the big clubs, I think he would strengthen the most clubs in in England. I think he's really really a class player. Uh, both in uh, with and without the ball, and uh, and you see, I saw a stat uh, after the Nottingham Forest game that that was only the second game Norwich won without anybody in the team uh, since he arrived, and that says it all, really. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Nothing, nothing says it better than that. I, I don't think, Casper. Um, Josh, from from Preston perspective, as as we said, falling down the table a little bit is 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 confidence the big issue. I saw some quotes from Chad Evans today who said actually he feels that games against the the more superior sides in the division, if you want to call it that, they're the games that actually Preston tend to deal with perhaps a little bit better than teams at the wrong end of the table. What, why do you think that's the case, I guess? Because we saw earlier this season when Preston came to Carrow Road and actually gave Norwich City a very, very good game in terms of how they pressed them and how high they looked to, to press them, which hasn't always been the case at Carrow Road this year. So why do you think it is that maybe you guys um, deal better with games against teams fighting for maybe promotion or the playoffs rather than teams at the bottom? Um, I think it comes down to a bit of a tactical thing, really. I think obviously the superior teams can play like that. So I think North End struggle against teams that sort of want to sit back, um, sit deep and hit us on the counter because we really haven't got creative players. To to be frank, we we just we don't create many chances. Um, so if if a team's sitting back, we struggle to break them down. Whereas a team like Norwich is going to come and play. So and one of our strengths is pressing. So I think that can work in our favour and that's why we tend to be better against the bigger teams. But that, since I've been watching North End for 10, 11 years, that's always been the case. We've always turned up against the big side and then a game that we're expected to win, we just somehow managed to lose. <laughs> yeah, I, I can I can speak about a lot of similarities with Norwich on that front. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about Jordan Hugill. He's, he's obviously a player that that you know well as a Preston fan. He's obviously been at Norwich this season. Maybe hasn't started the amount of games that maybe he or, or Norwich fans expected, largely because of what Casper spoke about there in terms of Timu Puki's wonderful form. But just just talk to us about the impact he had at Preston and, and maybe how you feel about him now. Because obviously he left for West Ham, didn't he, in, in, in what, January a couple of years ago for a fairly sizeable fee. Has he been a player that you guys have struggled to replace? How do you How do you kind of view him now? Yeah, um, my opinion's changed quite a lot. Um, I at the time I was sort of he was a great player for us. Don't get me wrong, um, but I don't think I realised how much we'd actually miss him. Um, I thought the signing of Jaden Stockley at the time, given his record at Exeter, would sort of replace that in a target man. 
Um, but Stockley just he didn't really manage to sort of get his ability up to the level needed. Um, and he's now out on loan at Charlton in League One, which I think is more his level. Um, so yeah, I don't actually think we've ever really replaced it. Chad Evans has come in and been very physical, um, which surprised me. Chad Evans has been a massive surprise for most North End fans um, this second half of the season. But we've said this over and over about multiple players, but Hugo is just an example. We just don't replace them. You know, Callum Robinson was replaced with Scott Sinclair, who's just turned 32. So, although Sinclair's an unbelievable player and he's had a brilliant career, he's, it's not the ideal replacement age-wise. Uh, ben Pearson wasn't really replaced. Daniel Fisher definitely wasn't replaced this window. Um, and Hugo is just one of those examples. So, yeah, I'll... I wish we had Hugo back, put it that way, but um, yeah, he's, he is a brilliant player at this level. Mm, interesting stuff. Casper, um, uh, we've had, I think on, on this show, however, I, I lose count of how many shows we've done, but it feels like every time an opposition fan has come on, they'll go, it's a free hit for us this game against Norwich. Of the tables turn a little bit, is this a bit of a free hit for Norwich given the situation they're in? Or like you said there, because of the points situation and the fact that maybe we're a matter of wins away, I think it's 14 points they need to secure promotion as things stand. You can probably debate whether they'll actually need that many. But mm. is, is this game a little bit of a free hit because of the circumstances that Norwich are in? No, I'm not sure about that because uh, as, we, as we were saying earlier, that uh, you you really you really need to get those wins to get over the line uh so that's that's really the problem for for norwich and, and if you start losing points you lose points against Preston, maybe you lose points in the next game and then you suddenly have the other teams breathing up a neck and then you, then you feel the pressure um uh, that's what what norwich have to avoid to get this promotion over the line so so i don't think it's a free hit really and and um yeah, if you see if you if you see the two teams, North should be should be favourites, uh, even though they they're missing players. And as you said, Daniel Fisher, he was great at the uh, kind of role in the first game. So, um, and that was uh, the first game between those two teams. That was a great game with supporters of the stands and everything. Uh, it just seems like a uh, distant memory now. But but uh, but I'm really looking forward to it. It could be a good game uh, on Friday still. And but I think North. They shouldn't lose, uh, because I think that I don't think that would be good for the group to 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 get a loss now. So, so so uh, maybe not win, but but it's not a free hit though. Mm, yeah, I I would agree with you there. Um, I, I wanted to ask you a bit about Nyland as well. Obviously, signed for Norwich in in January. He's had a very difficult maybe year or so, given that um, his his sort of contract was terminated at Aston Villa after he fell down the pecking order. Had back surgery as well, didn't he, on a fairly serious injury? Arrived at Norwich in January, second choice. Um, how important has it been for him just to get back into a, a club and then be a sort of match day squad to, to support Tim Krull? Possibly even, if uh, both parties agree, a, a, an opportunity to be a number two in the Premier League again, which is probably, what, well, obviously he'd like to be a number one, but I, I, I guess to having that opportunity um, in sort of reserve maybe isn't isn't uh, the worst sort of second bet. It's a difficult Bit thing being a goalkeeper, isn't it? Because only one can ever play, so it's, it's a difficult kind of dilemma, I guess. Yeah, he's he's had he has had troubles with his, his back, so so I think he's really enjoyed coming back and getting uh, getting treatment and and getting back to train and and to get in the match matches. As you say, he's he's a goalie with with a really really high top level. Uh, he's shown that several times. Uh, 
in the League Cup semi-final against uh, Leicester last season when, when uh, Aston Villa got to, to Wembley. He was fantastic. He won the Norwegian Cup almost by himself with the championship team uh, before he got got out of Norway. So uh, so so that's, he's, a, he's a great, great top level. Um, uh, and I think where he is now in his career, he, he has to make a choice, though. Uh, do you want to be a backup goalie in the in the Premier League, or do do you want, uh, does he want to find himself uh, a club where he can be a first uh, choice? Uh, maybe not the Premier League level, but he's played in Germany, he's played played uh, other places. So so I think that it was really a really good fit to get half a year. Norwich needed a backup goalie; he needed to get back in shape and get back in the rhythm. Uh, and then they have to discuss in the summer. But but this six months has been. I think it's been perfect for him and for, for Norwich. Yeah, agreed. And really good to see him in some matchday squads. And it looks like he's going to be in the in the squad tomorrow as well, after obviously being cast into the Norway squad, which is um which is another good step for him to to see. Um Josh, how I kind of put it to Casper there about it being a free hit and maybe opposition fans coming on and, and saying that. Again, kind of a similar question. How do you view this now? Because like you said, with maybe a full strength Norwich side, this isn't as um, interesting a fixture maybe from, from your guys' perspective. Is this now a really good opportunity for you guys to turn a page to start what maybe it might be a mini era, but certainly a, a new era with with Frankie McAvoy in charge with with some points and hopefully I guess three points from from your perspective. Do you, do you see this now as a a good opportunity given the circumstances that we've discussed for the last half an hour? Yeah, definitely. Um, if you had if you had full strength, I wouldn't I won't give North End a chance really, uh, given our form this year and yeah, just the the players that we're missing after January. So. Uh, um, it's a massive opportunity for us, and we've got we've got some tough games coming up. We've still got to play Swansea and Brentford, and obviously Norwich in the next three games. So um, we need to take every opportunity that we can, and I think it, it's definitely uh, a positive that for us that you're missing so many players, and hopefully we can just get a positive result and a performance with fans really, because I think a positive performance would massively sort of um, reunite a fan base kind of thing. Um, I know it's just one game, but it's been very negative. Um, so hopefully we can we can get back on track and just have a positive end to the season. Mm. Go on then, Josh. I'll, I'll let you start seeing as as pressing the home team this this uh, this Good Friday. How do you see this game going? And uh, and let's have your score prediction as well. Uh, I'll be optimistic. I'll say two um, one North End. Good stuff, good stuff. Casper, uh, I'll, I'll come the same to you. How do you see this one going? Probably probably impossible to predict from a Norwich City perspective, but uh, I'm going to ask you to, to do it anyway. How do you see this game going? And and then your score prediction as well. Yeah, I'm really nervous about uh, this one. And that because you can feel the pressure because because you're so close. So 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 I'm hoping they're not losing though. So, so I'll say 1-1 one, one draw. 1-1 one, one draw, yeah. I think I'd, I'd agree with you. I think I'd probably take a point from this one and move on. I think that, that may be the best way to do it. Casper, Josh, thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. Thank, thank you. you all very much for watching. I'll leave all the relevant links to the guys down below so you can check them out. They both do brilliant work indeed. Thank you very much for watching. Stay safe and we'll see you soon.